I met a guy recently who told me that he spends roughly $250,000 a month. I talked to another person recently who made $50 million at the age of 30. What do you do with that money? How do you spend it? How do you not spend it? What do you invest in? If you meet a rich person, these are questions everyone wants to know, but you're too embarrassed to ask. That's the whole premise of MoneyWise. We talk to real people who have made a significant amount of money, and we ask them all about their finances. My name's Sam Parr, and the podcast is called MoneyWise. That's one word, MoneyWise. You can find MoneyWise wherever you get your podcasts. We'll bring back the name game in a little bit here for the Browns. Because I think they're the names that are going to wow you. There are some other names I'm pretty excited about as well. But I realized something. I realized that the NFL owners have created something almost mythological since Deshaun Watson was traded for almost a year ago. Go on. And that is the perfect quarterback to give the first fully guaranteed contract to. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried to track down the audio. Turns out that only like three people have the audio of Ravens owner Steve Bashotti at the owners meeting last year saying that uh, I don't know that he should have been. I'm going to actually. So this is Steve Bishotti on Deshaun Watson getting the $230 million five-year fully guaranteed contract. For those of you who don't remember what, what the Ravens owner said, he said, end quote, I don't know that he should have been the guy to get a fully guaranteed contract. To me, that's something that is groundbreaking and it'll make negotiations harder with others. End quote. Now, he was talking, he was very much subtweeting his negotiations mm-hmm. and the Ravens' negotiations with Lamar Jackson. But what I think is interesting is that idea of Deshaun Watson is undeserving of being the recipient of the first guaranteed, fully guaranteed five-year contract in NFL history. Because I can understand if you say, well, Lamar has, Lamar is in a lot of trouble. Lamar has legal troubles, and he's being accused of some really heinous things. So he doesn't deserve this contract, this this feat, because if you view him 360 holistically, it's a flawed player that you're giving it to because of the off-the-field concerns. But then I think about Steve Bishotti, and I think about Lamar Jackson, And I can understand. We can pick apart Lamar's numbers. We can pick apart Lamar's uh, injuries. The fact that they've happened two straight years at the end of the season, I actually think hurts him worse than Mm -hmm, if he were injured mm -hmm. at the beginning of the season. You want to hear about how stupid we view injuries in the NFL. So you can make a valid, valid, valid argument about paying Lamar a fully guaranteed contract because of the injuries. Outside of that, Lamar Jackson has been an MVP. So, at one point in one season, he was the best player in the NFL, according to voters. Lamar Jackson has been a huge, huge, huge member of the organization, meaning this is a guy that kind of rescued an organization from having to make changes, including firing John Harbaugh. He saved a lot of jobs in Baltimore. And then, in terms of what he's been as a Raven, I know he's argued and and negotiated in public with with the team, he's also been almost a flawless teammate. Almost a flawless. Up until the the him not showing up for the playoffs with his teammates, up until then, all we had ever heard of Lamar is he is a classy face of the franchise. Yep. And yet Steve Bashotti says, by his actions, 
says Lamar's not worth that. And I realize this is, it's myth-making. The NFL, in trying to suppress quarterback salaries or guaranteed money for quarterbacks because they're really afraid of having to pay every quarterback out there uh, guaranteed money because they realize most of the quarterbacks in the NFL aren't worth paying fully guaranteed money for four, five, six, seven years. I mean, even remember when Kirk Cousins got paid his three-year fully guaranteed deal? The owners yep. threw a fit about that, although not as big of a fit when the Browns did it for, for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> But that's for another day. But, yep. like, it just leads me to this point of if not, if Deshaun isn't because of the off the field, and then you look at Lamar, and Lamar is supposed to be the antithesis of that. Squeaky clean, good dude, hard worker, uh, probably the reason you've been competitive the last couple of years. Okay, well, he's not. Well, then who the hell is? Who's truly worthy of a fully guaranteed contract in the NFL? Because I'm I'm okay with it being exclusive. It does seem like NFL owners feel like I honestly I wish all contracts mind. were guaranteed, but that's never going to happen. That's fair. But I it mean, does from, feel just from my standpoint. I, I just feel like you know the NFL is the one league that you know outside some of the other ones where guaranteed contracts are there for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're the quarterback or you're the you know sixth guy on you know running down kickoff. Like mm -hmm. it's just it's unfortunate that that's the case, but that's what the players have agreed upon. And that's what we're at, but or where we're at, I should say. Um, things have changed a little bit because guys like Deshaun Watson have got guaranteed money. And now other players, I mean, Kirk Cousins got his guaranteed money. Now other players like Deshaun, or uh, like Lamar Jackson and s some other guys want to get the guaranteed money, and I don't blame them at all. Yeah, and I, it's interesting you said the thing about, you know, I wish all player contracts were fully guaranteed. I, do. Um, I, I think... I'll tell you why it's never going to happen because it's not really about the money; it's about the power. I For think sure. I think NFL owners are more are more, um, are more mindful of the power they have over players than in any other sport. And in a lot of ways, like fifty years ago, the reason why it took Major League Baseball so long to actually implement a realistic free agency is. They knew, Major League Baseball owners knew, when you give the players power, it's going to change how we have to do business. And so then they fought like tooth and nail, and it took, you know, the Supreme Court getting involved, and then it happened, and baseball has changed um, in leaps and bounds in terms of player relationship and player power. Yep. And now they have fully guaranteed deals, by the way. But so it's interesting in the NFL. I think they look at the, I think they look at like what happened in baseball. Hell, I bet you they look at what's happened in the NBA, and they say, uh, we love our players. We want to pay them. We don't want that. And that's really what the Deshaun contract was about. The Deshaun contract was about power. And I actually think that's the subtext of Steve Bishotti's comments. Is it wasn't anything to do. I think it was easy to say. It was an easy victory lap for Steve Bishotti a year ago to say, well, he's not the guy to get it. The subtext of that is, Deshaun forced his way out of Houston and really followed the NBA player empowerment model that, that LeBron really brought to, 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 sports. to fruition. And I think that's a huge reason for guys like Steve Bishotti. We don't want to give up that power. And it's funny because, you know, Lamar, because of the injuries, Lamar, because of the numbers the last two years, I don't think he's getting fully guaranteed. Do you? Fully, no. 
I think unless unless there's a desperate team out there that comes in with this offer mm-hmm. and decides they're going to do it, I I certainly don't think that the Ravens are going to up their offer. I mean, they're again they franchise tagged him, so they want him on a one year deal. I think the closest thing he's going to get is what uh, Kyler got last year. Kyler Murray got like uh, two hundred thirty million dollars guaranteed. Or sorry, no, two hundred thirty million dollar contract, one hundred eighty nine million guaranteed. That's about as close as Lamar's going to be. But again, I think there is a question here. If not Lamar, if not Deshaun, who? who actually is worth fully guaranteed money? And I think there are more players than you realize. I think there are more quarterbacks than you realize. I think certainly almost all of the top 10 quarterbacks are worth their guaranteed contracts. Yeah, I mean, I think you just start with Joe Burrow. Like Burrow, I, I said this to you guys before the show, and I, I'm not sure exactly how you took it, but like Burrow should get a 10-year guaranteed deal from the Bengals Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying like the whole deal's guaranteed but like he should be getting you know 300 million dollars plus guaranteed and sign some sort of a I I don't even know like a a 10-year 500 million dollar deal I think I think quarterbacks have to start standing for something they're the ones that can change the game and honestly if you wanted to have a criticism of Patrick Mahomes right now he signed a 10-year, $400 million deal. Was it a year ago, two years ago? And it's like 50% guaranteed. Actually, it might have been less than 50%. And I just remember thinking, like, if somebody else is going to get a fully guaranteed deal, it has to come one of two ways. It has to come the way Deshaun got it, which is uh, you're going to trade for me, and the only way I'm going to your team, since I have a no-trade, uh, contract mm-hmm. or clause is you got to pay me every single dollar. Every single dollar has to be guaranteed in that contract. So that's way one. Second way is that Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. I mean that that's kind of it. Maybe maybe Josh Allen could have done that, or he just signed the contract extension, so he doesn't have to. It's going to take the one percent of one percent of quarterbacks in the NFL. Those are the guys who have to make it happen. And then maybe 10 years from now, there's a trickle down. But that's it. I and Pat didn't fair. do it. And, and you know what? I don't think Joe Burrow will either. I don't think, I don't think Joe... Gonna, what do you think Joe Burrow wants? I mean, I think Joe understands he's set. Oh, God, he's set. And I don't know... I, I, okay, I shouldn't say this, but like Jamar Chase is implied that Joe is going to take a team-friendly deal. If Joe does, it'll be one of the great acts of cowardice in NFL history. And I'm not saying he has to hold out, but, like, that's the only guy. There's no chance in hell. Listen, there are just a few guys in the NFL. There's no chance in hell organizations are going to let go. You mentioned Joe Burrow. I hope he gets a 10-year, a 300000000 million, whatever. The reason why you're right about that is he's the one guy – Mike Brown is a cheap son of a gun. This is the player he knows. He has no leverage. If, if you want to play the tag game with Joe Burrow, fine. He'll he'll go four straight tags. If Joe Burrow really made a case of it, he could be the next guy to get fully guaranteed. I don't know he will. Again, we're kind of reading through the tea leaves there. But like Mike Brown has to look at Joe Burrow and be like, I will give that dude I, I might not Go ahead and say the same thing about Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or Jesse Bates or Hendrickson or any of the other Sam Hubbard. Might not say about anybody else, Logan Wilson, anybody else in the roster. 
But that guy, that's the guy that gets every single cent he wants. Fully guaranteed. 100%. Who else? It's Burrow and Mahomes. Maybe maybe Herbert. Herbert, I was going to say Herbert, too. We talked with um, Adam Kaplan. He mm-hmm. said Herbert. Now, the, obviously, Burrow's had more success. But Herbert's in that category, I think. I think what's fascinating, I think what's fascinating about this and really interesting is a lot of these guys we're talking about are with notoriously frugal owners. Mike Brown has one of the worst reputations in the NFL. And that uh, that piece, that ESPN piece, uh, completely destroyed the Cincinnati Bengals in terms of how they treat players, wives, uh, facilities, all these sort of things. And Mike Brown is known as a notoriously fugal, frugal, not fugal, a frugal owner My, on Mike top Mike Brown of should pay Joe Burrow whatever he wants, sign him to the long-term deal, and have Joe Burrow be the quarterback until you're in the coffin. But so is so is the Spanos family. Everything I, I used to call um, when I would I talk mean, about the teams in Charlotte. The Bengals will never in the franchise history, I'm going to go on a limb here, Ooh. will ever have a quarterback as good as Joe Burrow ever again. Yeah, it's it's beyond generation. Yeah. And they, they got they've got the Mahomes. I mean, they've had think about it. They've had Carson Same Wentz. With the Chiefs. Chiefs will never have a better quarterback. You could make a point. Well, I mean, Len Dawson was pretty damn good. He's, He's a Hall not of Famer. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he kind of was in the day. Come on, Super bro. Bowl champion, MVP candidate. But like to Cincinnati, Carson uh, Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton had been the highlight previously. We do have a call on this. James, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey, guys, how you doing? Doing well, buddy. Yeah, so I think the one thing that kind of gets me about the whole situation when we, you know, when everybody brings up the Sean Watson contract or the thing with uh, uh, Lamar Jackson right now, I think the, the biggest issue that I see for a lot of people is not understanding that, you know, in Cleveland's standpoint, like they have a power that other people don't have in franchises right now, and that's understanding real money and understanding that they have the ability to put that money in escrow and do that for their uh, franchise quarterback. And I think other people are scared of that one, because they may not have that type of money that we think that all these owners should have if they're trying to facilitate some of these teams the way they are. And I just feel like when we look at Cleveland, you know, everybody sees this as an outlier, but maybe they're ahead of the trend. And that's something that, you know, I think for a lot of us, you know, years from now uh, with the players, um, and the association, I know that that's something they're saying, like, this should not be a uh, outlier. This should be a normal, especially when we promote these, you know, quarterbacks to the level that we do. And, you know, and I think we're in a, a position now where you see the NFL is just making more money hand over fist. And they know that regardless of how cheap you can be, a, a place like Cleveland knows one thing. If, we, if they can win a championship, that owner is cemented, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's what Jimmy hasn't understands that he has to – put his money where his mouth is because at the end of the day he will always be seen as a, a, the other owner who didn't get it done but right now no one can deny regardless if you like the move or not he's putting his money where his mouth is so yeah i actually think that is the the credit you always have to give jimmy haslam and thank you for the call james um is that jimmy spends and it's gonna be really interesting over like the next five to ten years i think you've already seen this with owners we're getting to a point where your average billionaire no longer has enough money to own an NFL franchise. And there's like real concern, even though there's a salary cap in place, every time the NFL lets another Dave Tepper or another Jimmy Haslam, 
And I guarantee you, like, I don't think Dan Snyder is the only one that doesn't want Jeff Bezos to own the Washington Commanders. Because there is rich, and then there is rich, rich. Like, Mark Davis probably is not going to own the team in five to seven years because he can't afford to. He doesn't have the money. He's worth a lot of money. He's worth a ton of money. He's making a lot of money, but it also costs a lot of money to have these teams now, especially with free agency. So if you guys missed it, uh, so yesterday on Ken and Anthony, they took a shot at me because I I used uh, the word mid because I've said give them their flowers. Um, And there's a couple other things they they were making fun of. So yesterday on the show, we took umbrage with that. And uh, and that, our response, basically caused Ken to turn on Lima this morning because Ken, yes. Ken realized that he has been hoodwinked by Lima this whole time. I just don't call the show anymore because Lima will text me like, hey, call in. We got to talk about this and I'll call in and I'll be like trying to have fun and, and mm-hmm. Ken just doesn't want to entertain it. Mm-hmm. Why is and, that? Is he jealous of you? I, no, I think he's They're jealous little, of me. I'm little, jealous of him. Why is that? Because he runs Cleveland. Of all the things they said, that's what I was most upset about. Why would that upset you? You that seems like a compliment. Bastard. I ain't mad at them. I'm mad at you. What? Because of you. <laughs> I'm not mad at Nick and Dustin. Why? I'm mad at you. A hole. Because hell did you're I texting do? Dustin. I don't know what Ken's problem is. I don't know why he didn't uh, like your phone call. When Lima that's sits a there, serious see, charge. This is what's going to happen. We're eventually going to get those YouTube cameras in here, and you ain't going to be able to do it anymore because people are going to be able to see your face. I don't know what Ken's problem is. I thought you did great. Kiss my ass, Tone. You're the one who had a problem with it. Don't lie no. to Dustin. I thought. Don't lie to him. Why do you he care? He doesn't want to upset First you. First of all, your job at times because is to upset us. Because he knows you text everybody about everybody behind their back, and we've all accepted it. Or we've sometimes you slip it. up and you send it I to the person. I have not slipped in a while. I pr- I've because you haven't myself. had anything to complain to him about. And you never text double A, so you're never going to be able to mess up with him. I ain't mad at Dustin, and Wait I ain't mad second. at Nick. I'm mad at you. So I kind of thought that should be the end of it because it, it effectively turned Ken on Lima, yep. which means we won the feud. But then you came out and you were hot about well, yeah because I I thought they actually enjoyed me calling their show mm-hmm. you know I'd always be up early at, you know four or five o'clock in the morning heading to the airport and Lima is encouraging and you Lima knows I'm up early we'd be texting or something and he would then say hey call the show mm-hmm. and I would then in turn call the show and nobody seemed to want me there uh-huh. I mean it's like go show them to a party that yeah. everybody invited you to and then you walk in and it's like no one talks to you mm-hmm. that's how I feel. Well, okay, but the brilliant thing here, and we do have to address the brilliance of Anthony Lima, is that he was secretly the slippery, uh, the slippery wizard. He was he was getting you to call in, and then he wasn't telling Ken, and then he was wasn't telling Ken, and then off air he was stoking Ken's anger about how you would call in, seemingly to waste time on their show. That's all their six o'clock hour is anyway. I don't know. I like their six o'clock hour. I, like I no, I hours. do too. It's the show about nothing. Uh huh. Which is what that's I love. A, that's a different show. Their six o'clock hour is very similar to our six o'clock hour, which means it's f around time. Mm-hmm. Well, don't let the people know in that. That's for you no, and me. That's a good thing. This is the hour you want to listen to. Their mm-hmm. first hour, I think, is one of their best. I would. I, I think would our say our last hour is one of our best. I would say all five hours are the hours you want to listen to on afternoon drive with Nick and Dustin. Oh, they're going to listen. But, as long as they want to listen. But I will but my say, my point is, the six o'clock hour on both shows is a pretty fun hour. But I will say. That Sorry, Ken. you promised earlier to turn 
Like the whole point of this is now. Well, no, the, the point is that Ken needs to wake up mm-hmm. and realize that Anthony is behind his back trying to, to split a wedge mm-hmm. between him and everybody. Mm-hmm. Not just everyone on that show. All right. And you've said now you are I think officially. everybody in local media. I, I would say. So like he like calls, like you think Lima like texts, like Mary Kay. I think if somebody on this show screws up, I think that like Lima's got a group text with like probably Zach and like Andre Knott and mm-hmm. all these people that, you know, talk bleep about us behind our back. Mm-hmm. Love those guys. No. But they're getting those texts. Do you want to be on that? Do you want to be on that text Oh, I'm thread? on a text log with other people <laughs> that, that screw up. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's always Lima that sort of, you know. Instigates it. Instigates it. Yeah, thank you. All right. So, so like, do you think, like, Lima's, like, texting Mary Kay? And then have another text with, like, Andre and Zach. And, like, what are what are other names that Ken would be really upset to find out about? Oh, Aditi. Aditi? Yeah. I mean, but he, he's got the Aditi. How the hell are you? Well. I'm just saying. Like, what are some other names that if if Ken heard Lima was texting behind his back, he'd be really upset about? Ooh, that's a good question. Tom Herschel. Keith Britton? Keith, one of them? Keith Britton. Uh, Keith, you're, con- you're, uh, you're conspicuously quiet here. I was going to throw another name in there, but I better not. Why not? Why not? Nah. I mean, they took a shot at the show. They tried to undermine our relationship and built for a decade plus and are trying to rebuild. I I do think we need to give a new nickname to Lima. I mean, it's no longer just a slippery wizard. It's he's the slipperiest wizard. We're talking instigator. Yeah. The instigator. The instigator. That sounds like a really bad comic book hero, though. He may be a really bad comic hero. Oh, no. It's the instigator. Your mom thinks you're fat. Sounds like just we have to workshop that one. I like the idea of Slippery Wizard no longer covers Lima, the shenanigans when, when, of Lima. When he was in school at West Geauga High School, or wherever he went to middle school in that district, was the guy who would be sitting around, hey, man, did you hear what he said about you, man? Dude, you can't take that, bro. Dude, did you hear what he said? You need to kick his ass. And then he'd watch people fight. Uh-huh. Oh, I mean, that's... A, and that, then he'd probably take bets on it. I mean, there's two reasons he calls you, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if he's got gossip or wants gossip. Yeah. Like, I'm like he does not. Limo never calls me out of the goodness of his heart to just, hey, let's just BS. No, he wants something. You know, it's so wild. So last night after the show, I called Lima and it was the best conversation I've had with him in te- since we were. Uh, his wife is probably out of, out of town or something. His baby's probably out of town. No, they had just put the baby to it's bed. Oh, okay, ba- so baby's asleep. And and where was the wife? And like we we finished the call and I was like, that was a really nice call. With How Lima. Long did it last? I was shocked. How long did it last? 20 minutes. I, okay. I almost bet you then he called somebody else and talked about it. Oh, I guarantee you. Do you understand? Yeah. I've never actually ended a phone call with Lima other than him saying, uh, got to go by. Got to go, yeah. yeah. Got to go by. And there have and been that calls. Mean, and what that means is he's getting a call from somebody else that's better than you. Yeah. He's one-upping you without, well, well with yeah, you knowing it. It's a it, total but, F yeah. you. Yeah. But you know what? F him. He gets, a, listen, he puts a lot of energy into that sort of stuff. So, should let him have it. No, he does. I mean, he's the wizard. Yeah. And a lot of that time, he's talking bad about Ken, so... Oh, and me, and yeah. probably Keith, and probably you. Oh, definitely me. He hates you. Yeah. 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 Because I have, I have opinions that he doesn't agree with. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. And Ken and Anthony both really like to be the people setting the tone or, like, the narrative for Cleveland. So the fact that other people... Have, like, what, how did they disparage Peter Lid forever? Oh, he's got hot takes. Because Jonathan has different opinions than them. 
We got there, Dusty. You realize San, we got to talk San in a Jose certain State amount of first time. Half money line. Mm. Beto Bopper saying, uh, "Sports boy Tony is sneaky. You got to watch your six with him." I will say, when I talk about you with him, I I very carefully. You know, like if I was just mad at you about something, mm-hmm. I try to I try to not say a whole lot. Okay. Because he knows. Because the funny thing is, if I wanted advice for how to work with somebody, he's probably one of the best people I can have the conversation with about. But I also know that there's a mining process that for every nugget I get, he's going to take two nuggets. Well, a little worried now, Nick. Why is that? Well, I think we've been giving their show too much attention. Why do you say that? Well, now tomorrow's going to be really interesting. Why do you say that? Um, we've now given them almost two and a half segments today on our show. Where's the, which is uh, where's the too, half segment? It's way too much. Where's the half segment? The first segment of the show. I feel like that was more like a quarter of a segment. All right, so two and a, two and a quarter segment. Yeah. And they gave us one today. So tomorrow's going to be interesting. Yeah. Well. Do we just move on, or are they going to come back with some rebuttal tomorrow? I mean, listen, I think, I think it's really tough to come back to Ken realizing that Lima is, in fact, slippery. And uh, anything, like, if he tries to deviate and, and turn this back to us, he's just going to be turning his back to give Anthony Lima a chance to take that knife and stab it in his back. Your frauds in the afternoons. Right? That's what he does. Like, if 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 Kenny just turns his, his attention to us, he's leaving his backside, he's leaving his back over here just ripe for the stabbing. For Anthony Lima. Can we somehow get the midday show involved in a fight? No. They're cowards. I love them. They're the nicest oh, dudes in the world. We throw down. He's afraid of Jeff and, and, and Danny. Andy's afraid of Jeff and Danny? Yeah. I think he knows that if he tries to get in on this, he's going to get bleep from... And he'll be on the wrong side of the cabal. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of the cabal? I'll, I actually not. You know what we're going to do? I am now inviting Jonathan Peterlin. I'm inviting... Uh, Baskin and Phelps and Dan Menigan, because he's a host on that show. I'm going to invite all four of them to join the winning team. It's funny, you know, we talked about some of the names that uh, that the Browns could pursue. Mary Kay actually had a great piece for Cleveland.com. Uh, Javon Hargrave was one of them. Jesse Bates of Cincinnati was one of them. Honestly, because of the price or the position, neither of them is like the number one player. And I might have said Javon Hargrave is. I def- Listen, the reality is, if it was my money, would I pay Javon Hargrave three-year, $60 million to come here? Yes, absolutely. But I think lost on a lot of this, I, I really love this free agent class, um, even just from guys that play in Philly. Like uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson gets a lot of the love, and I, if they signed him, I'd be over the moon. You signed C.J. Gardner-Johnson. That dude hits in a way that we need safeties to hit, right? But even Marcus Epps was an, was another name. Adam Kaplan joined us earlier. I think the number one guy I want, I think I've talked myself into this, it's some mix of C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Draymond Jones. Like, if we're talking the upper echelon of upper echelon, that's where I start. Because, one... Neither one of those guys is going to get paid as much as the guy slightly above them on on the depth chart, right? Mm-hmm. Bates should not, or Bates should get more than C.J. Gardner Johnson, and Hargrave should get more than Draymond Jones. 
Like, there's a thought that Draymond Jones hasn't, like, hasn't been consistent. That should hamper him a little bit in free agency. But, like, even then, I think a guy, and I said this earlier, I think this might be the most attractive playing for the Cleveland Browns has been in a long time, Dustin. Tell me why. Why? Okay, Backstreet Boy. I think it starts with... Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartbreak. So I think it starts with they have had recent success. Like, this is the most stable the organization's been since the mid-'90s, since it was a different organization. Actually, no, it's not fair. Since um, Romeo Cornell got four or five years uh, back in the early aughts. So I think stability helps, right? It's not. I mean, you're not going to – if it's between Cleveland and Baltimore – Okay, Baltimore clearly gets the stability edge if it's between yeah. Cleveland and Pittsburgh. But in terms of, you know, Kevin Stefanski going on year four, Andrew Barry going on year four, we might look at Kevin Stefanski and say hot seat. I think around the NFL, I think people come up with about three or four names on hotter seats than Kevin Stefanski. And I think it starts with Mike McCarthy in Dallas. So I think I think that's one part of it. I also think if you're a defensive lineman, this system – is not just going to get you great numbers. It's going to get your pay, great uh, paid great again. Like I look at a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, and you guys got to remember, Yannick Ngakwe has pretty much been an 8, 9, 10, 11 sack guy every single year. I love that guy. Since coming to the NFL. But he's bounced around. He signed in, uh, he signed in Vegas, then got traded to, to Indy. He's starting to get a journeyman vibe. If he a comes bit, here, yeah. if he comes here and plays in the wide nine across from Miles, I think Garrett, he'd have success. And he has 12, 13 sacks, a career high. Ooh. He's he's going to get paid. Uh, so if you're Yannick and Gakwe, are you signing like a one year prove it deal? I think so. It's not even a prove it deal. So it's, it's still kind of it's, it's similar to Clowney, right? I mean, you you want to come here and prove it. Clowney yes. now turned out to be kind of a joke, but he did come here and have success. Yeah, because here's the thing: if, right? if Clowney just keeps his mouth quiet. He still probably would have had a job next year. And probably making $10 million a year. Maybe not that because his, okay, sa- his sack numbers, but five, six, seven. Yeah. For a, for a what, 30-year-old guy, 31-year-old and, guy? And now he's going to be kind of a, a, a guy that you're a little bit worried bringing into the clubhouse. I, well, and remember, that was already the knock on Jadavian before he came to Cleveland. And two years ago, the season that he had dispelled that concern. And then this year, he, I mean, I've, you got to give him credit. Very rarely have I ever seen an NFL player tank his value so close to free agency the way Jadavian Clowney did. It was damn near Laramie Tunso with a bong mask it's like on NFL draft to, night. Like, just derail his career, you know? I just, I just, I mean, what I, a terrible decision. I just think he was in, in a, momentary, uh, a momentary idiot. <laughs> That's all. It was a moment where he would rather have said what he said. And by the way, like he said some truth about the Browns organization. The problem is he said more truth about himself. You can't say, hey, they're 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 uh, showcasing this guy. It's okay. You can throw. Actually, I really believe this. You can throw coaches under the bus in the NFL and get other jobs. You can't throw your teammates under the bus the way he threw them under the bus. No, can't and, do it. And specific, it's not just teammate. He threw the alpha dog. He threw one of the most noteworthy players under the bus in the midst of a season where he was playing subpar. Can't do it. You can't survive that. Oh, by the way, you're also throwing the coaches under the bus. Yep. 
You can throw some people under the bus in the NFL. But getting back to Yannick Ngakwe, that's a name I love. But not just that. I mean, guys, like um, a couple dudes out of New Orleans, Marcus Davenport, who had a I rough I brought him year. up a couple times. Um, and by the way, what I love about him is he's a big defensive end. He's like he's, six foot five, six foot six, like 275 pounds. Is Cam Jordan a free agent, too? No. And remember, I, I, I he was. I brought bad. his name up for a trade idea, and okay. uh, apparently after the, the Saints game, he was like, you couldn't pay me to come back to this place. Bleep this place. Understood. Nah, screw that guy. Cause Cam, if Deshaun Watson would have been on the Saints would he, in that game and playing the Browns and here in Cleveland, we'd have been like, nah, I'm good. I'm good, Jimmy. Nah, I don't think so. The, I think The 230 guaranteed? Nah, nah, I don't think so. Um, but I like David Onyemata a lot. I I just think it's so funny because I feel a lot of the – I've never seen Cleveland fans as – I don't want to say all over the place because that's not the case. Mm-hmm. As confused about how to feel about two of their teams at the same time as the way Cleveland fans seem to be confused about Cavs and and Browns. Now, they're they're confused for different reasons. The Browns are, we've been eternal optimists for 25 years. We finally have, or longer than 25 years, but forever, we finally have real expectations. They let us down, and people have just kind of tuned out expectations. Now, for the Browns, they're just disenfranchised. With the Cavs, it's, we're having too much fun to have expectations for this team. It's like expectations ruin it, which is funny because it it doesn't ruin it for me. But I don't think you can like if you're a fan of either team, you can't you can't hold the organization accountable as a fan with your voice, whether that's financially, whether that's on social media, whether that's in the stadium cheering, booing, whatever. You can't hold them accountable if you don't have concrete expectations. Like I'm just gonna say this: I've I've said with the Cavs. You better win a first-round series, and you better be a four-seed. Because you have been a four-seed to this point. To not be a four-seed, it's going to be some sort of a mini-collapse for the second straight year. 100%. And if you don't win a first-round series as the four-seed, you're the favorite. You're the home team. And you're going to get more games at home where you've been better. So those are expectations. And those are not informed because they traded for Donovan uh, God, time's a flat circle. Six months ago. They're because of what I've seen for the last six months with this Cavs team. I feel the same way about the Browns. It's why I got so pissed off about the play calling thing. It's because Kevin is so close. I do think he's smart. I think he's the smartest coach we've had since going back to Belichick. I think he's a good dude. I think he can win. And no, I, I think, think he can win, yeah. And I think if he get if he if he doesn't win here, I think he's going to be a coach that figures it out in a different circumstance somewhere else. And I don't want that. I'm sick of seeing player. I'm sick of seeing Jordan Poyer go to Buffalo and become an elite borderline Hall of Famer um, safety. I'm sick of watching people play. I'm sick of watching Belichick go to New England after we got one winning season out of four or five seasons. I'm sick of it. Specifically with the Browns, like with the Cavs, well, there's some of that. You, sometimes you trade players, and in baseball, I'm I've resigned myself to the fact that I'm going to get a great player for six years, and they're going elsewhere. But in the NFL, you if you have great players, if you have a good coach, 
you got to find a way to make it work. So that's where my my frustration is with Kevin. Gotcha. It's like, come on, dude. You got, like just do you this. this. Do it here. Do it. What? I don't want to have to go through another coaching search. So specific to this off season, I expect them to spend. And like I, you know, the idea of are they going to spend three twenty million dollar free agents? I don't give a rip. I want to see them be smart, decisive, and aggressive in free agency. And the good news is. Every report that was out of Indianapolis is that Andrew Barry was doing no sleeping, all working during the combine, trying Love to it. figure out how to add players to this roster. Now go do it. I think they will. At least they're going to attempt it, right? I mean, we, we hear all the reports. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to go after some of these big-name guys. We've got three big names on the list from Mary Kay Cabot from this morning and from her article on Cleveland.com, like Ngakwe, Jesse Bates, uh, Hargrave, like those guys, you get one of those, I think that's the start of a, a, a big offseason. Yeah, I think it's only going to take one name to get Browns fans back. And I'm, I'm I'm saying this, this is a generalized statement. I don't think all Browns fans are out on the Browns. But I do think, I, I think the interest, not even the interest, I think the faith that the Browns are going to make it work with Deshaun mm-hmm. and that they're going to compete this next year, I think it's as mid- as I've ever seen it be. Uh, Real Xavier P. saying, but again, I think one name gets you back. I, and I, it could be Javon Hargrave or Jesse Bates. I don't know Browns fans know Ngakwe enough, but it could be. And, and Real Xavier P. saying, until it happens, I want Buckner from the Colts, uh, CGJ, it's uh, CJ Gardner Johnson from Philly or Kendricks from Minnesota. I'm happy. I think you should be happy with one of those players. You get one of those. I mean, any uh, DeForest Buckner for the second round pick, guys, is one of the greatest value grabs ever. Yeah, you have to pay him. Don't care about that. I love when people are like, "Well, you got to tra- you got to you get something up for him, and then you got to sign him." Yeah, I don't care. Duh. <laughs> no, no kidding. DeForest Buckner and Buckner's probably your twenty million player, right? Probably so. Yeah, I'll take it. Get him and a Marcus Davenport on a one-year prove-it deal. And you know what? I, so I, I got to be honest with you. Raid Cincinnati as well. I love Jermaine Pratt. I don't know he's the best linebacker. Uh, like he's probably the sixth or seventh best linebacker on the market. I'd rather Jermaine Pratt than Levante David. Levante's going to cost Levante's a lot. Levante's coming off his best year. He is, but he's going to cost a lot. And he's getting older. It hasn't shown yet on the field that you're probably going to have to give him years and years to an older guy plus money. That scares me. Oof. You need Jermaine Pratt. I, I, I would, depending on how much David costs, because he, he does appear to want to test the free agent market. Mm-hmm. That was the report, that report we got. Yeah. So if he wants to test the market, should the Browns... Make a phone call? Oh, you got to make a phone call on all these guys, yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying like a Levante, Dave, that dude's a badass. He is. He I is. remember watching the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and that dude like took the game over. I think, I think the Browns would be really smart to be really selective with the linebackers they go after and the money they put for linebacker. I don't think you have to invest a lot of money in linebacker. I think you're much smarter to draft and develop linebackers. And here's the other thing. Uh, I kind of feel about... Uh, linebackers the way I do about receivers. I want to see what JOK is before you put any more money in the linebacker spot. I want to see what Jacob Phillips is and Tony Fields before you you put that money in there. Real quick, Todd. 
Todd, 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 Todd. Hey, Dustin, Nick. Todd. Did, What's up, buddy? Did Mary Kay give y'all any insight or anybody in authority that works in the Brown organization as to what's going on with the progress of Winfrey, Wright, and Thomas? Because they're going to be here, and they uh, 15 to 20 pounds of muscle on all of them. Uh, they, they can make an impact. Has there been any, you know, we got to deal with them. Is there any information on them? Um, in terms of, so you said uh, Winfrey, Wright, and Thomas. So I think they're pretty bullish on uh, on Wright. I think Pin uh, Winfrey. I don't think they're going to have any uh, expectations for until they see him grow up a little bit. But Thomas, I haven't heard anything about, which is weird because he's got a sack last year and he flashed a couple times. Okay, is that something that you guys are staying on top of? Is how they're coming along oh, in the off everybody. season? Yeah, I actually have uh, multiple feelers into the Browns organization. It's actually scheduled text. We got a camera almost every hour. Yeah, yeah. Todd, we got to run, buddy. We appreciate you. Yeah, I I have uh, actually I've hired a couple PIs 